Denver has changed a lot due to COVID. Businesses have closed, new businesses have opened, and poverty has absolutely deepened. The occasionally seen encampments, homeless encampments, are now being seen with increasing frequency in unexpected spaces. With that in mind, I knew that as I began traveling again, it was very likely that the impact of COVID would be noticeable in the places that I went to. It was a good thing that I was preparing mentally for these changes before I started my travels because America has gone through some things. In the past eight months at the time of this recording, I've actually had the opportunity to visit several states. I made my way to Nashville, San Diego, LA, Austin, and San Francisco. I do want to point out that I'd visited all of the California cities numerous times, but Austin and Nashville were new to me. Nashville had plowed ahead and it seemed like COVID hadn't happened there, even though a massive bomb went off in the downtown district on December 26, 2020 and destroyed a block of the city. I was really not sure what to expect in terms of just that part of the the downtown area. And Nashville had done a great job of cleaning that up and and really preserving that historic uh, district of, of the town. Austin, with all its money, was going through some things. Having visited around 45 states pre-COVID, I knew that as the world opened up, that the impact of policy, poverty, and changes in the world as we know it would make experiencing other places really challenging. It just would. And so in this episode, I would like to talk about the impact of American poverty on the places we visit during our vacations, because real talk, Americans are not prepared (laughs) to hear how people are experiencing their towns, especially citizens of other countries. They're not ready. You guys are not ready to hear this. And I think as things continue to really open up, like it is clear, nothing's going to shut down regardless of what happens. And so tourism's going to start really accelerating. I think this summer, even with gas prices and all that, people are ready to get the hell out of Dodge. People are not ready to hear about how people view their towns, the towns that they love, whether it is a citizen of a foreign country coming to visit or a citizen from another state. And that, painfully enough, also includes Denver. That includes any town that you guys are listening from and that you love. So with that in mind, here's the show. everywhere, even if you don't see it. A U.S. city's poverty just doesn't stop because it inconveniently impacts your vacation. Los Angeles in particular really shocked me. I've visited numerous times before and had recently noticed other folks commenting on their experiences visiting the city as we've opened up quote-unquote post-COVID because clearly COVID's not gone. I'm familiar enough with LA that I can take transit. Like, so I'm comfortable enough taking the Metro, taking the bus, understand, you know, to a certain degree, the different parts of the city, uh, in terms of like, 
uh, if you're closer to the city center. So I'm able to navigate around LA. It has become a dystopian hellscape. Does this mean you don't visit? Nope, not at all. But it does mean that you have to understand what you're that understand that what you're used to in your hometown or in your previous visits, that might not be the experience that you will have in a place that you're visiting, which was what happened when I was in LA. I wasn't the only person, by the way, who made these observations or commented on commented on this. And by the way, again, I also include Denver in my comments. It, this is across the US. American cities are really wrestling with the following policy issue. Should we invest in our citizens or should we increase our spending on security personnel that will help with the crime that people keep complaining about? So basically it's like this chicken before the egg, but in my view, it's not a chicken before the egg kind of situation. And in the case of Los Angeles, it is so very clear. <laughs> it is like so painfully clear that weakening social investment is a significant part of the deepening poverty crisis in that town. And real talk, Denver is making the same mistake. We're increasing our police budget, but crime keeps growing. There's so much statistics on this across the U.S. now, years worth of statistics, that the more that you invest in policing to the detriment of, of investing in your citizens, crime goes up. It's not even, it's not difficult. Like I literally don't understand why city leaders, state leaders are not understanding this. It is really, really simple. <laughs> you invest in people. That said, tourists and even folks who live out of downtown Denver have some experiences on the, the, what they they saw when they are in downtown Denver or downtown LA or whatever. So I want to share my thoughts about my experience in LA. And honestly, I know why so many disaster and zombie movies have LA as the starting point. When you visit a number of American cities, it's likely that you will, quite honestly, you will see unhoused Americans and notice that the other Americans just don't notice them. They don't see them. You will see closed retail spaces and blight. You might be surprised by how Americans will frame this problem as an individual's failure versus the failure of policy and societal expectations around the basic care we want citizens to have access to. In fact, I saw someone sleeping on the concrete median on the left side of the highway in LA. And yes, People joked, well, you know, the traffic is slow there. It doesn't matter. One swerve to the left and this dude was, or dudette, this person would be gone. Yes, I was shocked. And I commented on Twitter that we as a society shouldn't let people live this way. And then someone very like seriously asked me, well, Michelle, are there jobs near that, where that person was sleeping? And you know what? I'm pretty sure that if a person is sleeping on the concrete median of one of the busiest highways in America, they are not emotionally well enough to go to work for a while. Like they, you don't want them on their team right now. You need, you want them to go and get some, some help so that they can even be well enough to work with you. I was really shocked by the disdain in their comment, but it's not surprising. Like this is how Americans think. This is how we are. And this is why the problems aren't getting better. So what we shouldn't do, 
One of the reasons why I decided to even comment on this and record this episode is I also began noticing, actually before COVID, I noticed a lot of poverty porn and people shaming online. It's not okay to film encampments with cute little titles like, this is what Denver, Los Angeles, Houston, Dallas, Miami looks is really like and posted onto TikTok. That's gross. Why is shaming people online becoming a thing that content creators, travelers, and more are doing? Like, why is this, why does this feel good to you to do? There's a, actually, there is a businessman in downtown Denver. And in fact, this weekend, I saw what he was posting about homeless individuals who weren't leaving his space. Like they were in front of an area that he needed access. And I was like, instead of posting these people's pictures on the internet, clearly that's not helping. And instead of not calling stars, which is we have a program that literally is for um, these kinds of situations. And that program is really good. Um, He could have been like, look, like he could have just talked, talked to people. I talk to homeless people all the time. They're human beings. And all he had to be like, look, sir, I'm going to give you some food, but I hate to tell you, you just got to, you got to move here because we're, we're trying to get work started. And I know that you're comfortable here. Do you need me? What do you need for me to help you with? Instead, this man kept showing pictures of people in pain and it, and even thinking about it, it, it was awful. It was awful. And it takes one injury, long COVID, getting kicked out of your house, and you could become that person. We need to do better. We need to do better. I I was ashamed. I'm ashamed when I see people being like this. It's horrible to treat people like this. We shouldn't pretend like America doesn't have these problems. We shouldn't pretend like COVID didn't, didn't affect cities. People died and are traumatized and many experiencing long-term many of these folks like really upset about it many of these folks are experiencing long-term effects mentally physically and financially and part of the reason why i'm crying is because during my trip i saw someone who had died and then the next day i was going to go to san diego and someone had jumped in front of a train. Obviously, they died. So this, this isn't like some Michelle is being like, you know, how she is. And she's oh, progressives. This is real. People are in a lot of pain. And it's not hard to treat people right. So I want to talk about what we can do. And I'm going to have to pause before I can even talk about this. There's a lot about this situation that just is out of our control. And here are a few things that as travelers and citizens, uh, here are a few things that we can do before going on our next trip or exploring our town or whatever. Do some basic research. Find out what's open and what isn't before arriving. Because unfortunately, where the blight exists is probably where people who are struggling are going to be. And so if you encounter this, think about how you're going to show up in that moment. 
real talk, you're going to have to practice big city safety protocols. There are things that I would do here in Endeavor that I just would never, ever, ever do in New York City, Dallas, Orlando, or San Francisco. You're, you're just going to have to move around the city as if you live there. Because I've visited California so many times, I'm pretty pretty familiar with the transit systems, the city grids, and actually what to anticipate. And even with this awareness, I was really shocked at how bad it had gotten. And I'm saying this for all three, three of the cities that I mentioned, San Diego, San Francisco, and LA. In fact, I'm familiar enough with these systems, transit and stuff, that people ask me for directions. So some big city protocols include holding your purse a certain way to avoid getting pickpocketed. Someone almost pickpocketed me in LA, Venice Beach, of course. And I actually thought that if it would happen, it would happen in that area. It didn't. We were good. Uh, being self-aware and just being aware of the different areas of, of town that may be tricky to move around at different moments of the day, like some parts of a city you shouldn't be in. One of my trips to LA, and this is a little lighter, my friend and I actually stayed in this really cool hostel. This was years ago, but the hostel was very close to the edge of Skid Row. So it was like we like our super shuttle driver drove through Skid Row in order to get us to where our, our our hostel was. Like there were a lot of us in the in the van, so we were all like, "Oh my god, what is happening?" And so we arrive at the hostel. And we're like, this is cute. It's secure. We're fine. Um, let's get some coffee next door and then go explore. We go next door and the barista could just tell we weren't from there. And he goes, hey, where are you, where are you guys from? And we're like, oh, yeah, we're from Denver. And the guy goes, hey, my uncle is the mayor of Nederland. Now, this is the most random place you could be like related to a person from. So it was really funny. And he goes, I'm going to hook you girls up because I want to make sure that you're safe. So he goes and gets a paper map and you know, the ones that cities usually will provide, they don't do it as much anymore. And he unfolds this map. He just keeps unfolding it and he gets a felt pen and he goes, no, 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 no. And he keeps marking. He's like, you, if you are driving, if you rent a car and you turn here, no, no. So he literally created what we joke, jokingly call or refer to even to this day as the no-no map about like, these are places that even we don't go to because we cannot safely um, make our way through it. And so as a tourist, you shouldn't either. If you don't know a place, just be, be self-aware about that. And it kind of sucks to have to bring that up. Avoid engaging with folks who might not be well. Like if you can tell a person is not doing so good, you don't need to be engaging with them. This is like just good life advice. Okay. Trust your gut. If something doesn't seem right, it's not right. That's it. Like you don't have to second guess this. Support local businesses and find social impact enterprises. I actually went to La La Land, um, or Lala, yeah, Lala Land Kind Cafe, which uses its profits and coffee shop business to help foster youth gain work and life related uh, skills as they age out of the system in LA. It's literally the most bougie coffee shop I've ever been to. It was an amazing experience, fantastic matcha drinks. Like it is incredible. So if you're, if you're in the Santa Monica area part of, um, if you're in the Santa Monica part of LA, 
please do go to it. You will really enjoy it. It's wonderful. Denver and other towns have similar facilities. Denver uh, has several actually. And one that I really like is Prodigy Coffee House. So if you come to Denver and you're like, I want to go to a social good space, Prodigy Coffee House, they make good coffee too, which is important. Be kind. Seems like an obvious thing, but we've seen so many videos of people being nuts. Got to bring it up. Ask questions without judgment. I found out that there is a very similar program in LA to Denver's STARS program that tries to, de- to de-escalate nonviolent interactions with folks out in the world. So basically the team will try to connect folks with services. I think they're run a little differently than how we do it here, but they're similar enough that I, I want to bring this up. I had no idea. And the reason why I found this out was I was at LA's Union Station and my experience there was different because Denver's Union Station, first of all, is much smaller, but it's a mixed use space that has bands and bars. And so it's a really cool place to be. And for those of you who are like, there's crime there. I'm like, I know that there has been crime there, but they have been working on this. Like it's going away because I've been there as recently as this week and it, it felt very different. So they're working really hard on it anyway. So I'm at LA's Union Station, which is a beautiful, beautiful facility. But one of the things that really stood out to me after our train was delayed due to the incident, uh, we were waiting for another train because the coroner had to clear the tracks. And yeah, wow. So I needed to sit like all of us needed to sit and wait. And as huge as LA's Union Station is, the seating area is very small now because they they have it secured so you know how there's baby gates for for babies they had adult gates they had enclosed the seating areas of in that space and had gotten security guards to man it and you had to show your ticket in order to to have access to that space so a couple of things happened while i was sitting there one there was a woman who I learned later was a regular in the Union Station area. Um, she was, I'm not, I'm not misspeaking. She was completely insane. And um, they were just, the, the staff was just used to help, just used to dealing with her. And I was like, it is clear that um, this is not what they should be doing. Like, this is not how they serve this woman well and other folks like her. and. It's also clear that I had never expected or anticipated that I had to pass a secured point in in order to sit because I, you know, I'm Gen X now. I'm not 20. (laughs) So I've been traveling at this point for my entire life. Like I started flying like when I was born, like I've been flying for a long time and traveling. And I remember being able to go to places that didn't have security. You were fine. Right. And this has increasingly become something that really freaks me out that nothing is open. Nothing is comfortable. Nothing is easy anymore. And people are just used to it. I don't want to get used to this. Likewise, I completely understand why that facility, why the, why LA's union station did that. Because if that woman had spiraled even further out of control and gotten into an altercation with people, it could have gone really badly. 
So I understood why, but it was really unexpected. Don't take videos or photos of people who are in crisis. What is wrong with you? It's not funny. What? Why? Ew. What is wrong with people? Not you, my listeners, because you guys are awesome. But like, why would, why would this feel like a thing to do? Right? In looking at, in looking at the data on spending, like on city spending, it is very clear that when cities begin to spend more on policing at the expense of spending on community programming and community care, crime just goes up. It's just literally so obvious now that it's just painful. And it's just, it, this is like literally not a democratic or Republican issue. It's not a libertarian issue. It's none of that. This is a really American issue. I have visited over 40 states. I have traveled and lived abroad. And when I have seen, and so I have a deeper context for this. And, and when most Americans only go to five states and don't go abroad and only like 40% of us have passports, there's no context for this. I am telling you right now, this is weird. What we're dealing with is not normal. Other countries don't have this to the extreme that we do. Now, I I do want to point out there's always a percentage of people who don't want help. There are. But in the example of Denver's Union Station, it was really strange to me because the space that was really problematic is literally a long hall, like think a high school hall. So it it's not a place where you're supposed to like linger even as a commuter. So it's this long hall and people are just in there. And it was about a hundred people. And then there would be like 25 people upstairs hanging out. And so I'm like, why is it we're unable to help 125 people? Like when you quantify it, what is going on? So maybe we can't help all 125 people, but we can probably help a hundred of those people. And then 25 are just going to be a problem. That's just true. And out of that 125 people, there's going to be some people who are criminals that just need to go. Some of them are criminals because of poverty. So you have to ascertain that. Some people just would like for you to ask them for like what they need. You know, hey, what do what what do you need so that we can get you out of here so you're not laying, you know, sitting in your throw up like I, I saw in Denver's Union Station a few months ago. I'll never I will never forget seeing that. You know, we don't have the numbers that LA does, but the impact still feels the same. It's shocking. We're not used to this. But at the same time, you have to ask yourself, why is it that all of these cities are spending so much money on policing and so little on their people? Like that, does that even make sense to you? And as a as social equity and policy podcast, and you know, I talk about money, this is a question we need to really start working through. And it was with a sigh of relief that I saw Denver voters had voted to pass a significant amount of funding towards dealing with the homeless crisis. And here we've got data that shows if you include housing plus ancillary services to really support an individual, they will be successful. Again, not rocket science. Finland in particular has a very, very successful program that basically eliminated homelessness in their entire country. What did they do? They gave people homes. Now, Americans can't quite do it like that because Americans, we think about things in certain ways. So in Denver, how it's starting to happen is we have a program 
where literally there is a home that or housing that we are providing um and then again the the supporting services to make sure this this person this human being can succeed not everyone will succeed but for individuals who've been in that program the the rate is like 77%. Again, not not rocket science. So um, I bring all this up to say, if your city is increasing its policing budget, but not the services, uh, the budget for services for people, you cannot judge LA because it's likely you'll be dealing with the same problems that they are dealing with right now sometime in your future. What are your thoughts about experiencing American poverty during your travels? I, I'm sorry I got so upset. I was not expecting to cry at that point, but I think I was whole, it was, it was a shocking trip. I, I, I don't have enough time to share how that trip was overall. It was good, but the things that I saw really disturbed me. It was really upsetting. And I don't know that it would be any different elsewhere because I'm the type of person who notices shit. Uh, by the way, Michelle is Money Hungry is changing the podcast. <laughs> so I wanted to let you know that I am changing the format of my show. I love my show so much. It brings me so much joy. I love the conversations that I have with people. I love the topics. But for about the past year, I've just felt like I wanted to have much deeper conversations about specific topics such as the one I just talked about in the show. With that in mind, I will begin releasing five week, five to seven week mini seasons beginning sometime in mid-June. So what this means is my show will go on a hiatus for a couple of months as I prepare for the new format. These mini seasons will allow me to do a few things differently with the show. First and foremost, just have more nuanced conversations about a financial topic or a social topic that's influenced by financial policy, social policy. These topics, again, could range from the emerging crypto space, inflation, the cost of global warming, and Black generational wealth, to name a few. So instead of just having like these one-off episodes, I just, I've just been feeling like, oh, there's so much more to unpack. And I want to unpack it, and I need more than one episode to do that. I will be able to spend more time finding really good partners to sponsor my show. It is very time consuming to run a podcast and I love having partners to help pay for my time and for this content. One of the great things that happened last year was I began having sponsors of the show and they were very, first of all, it was very lucrative, but it also took a lot of pressure off of me because there is a point as a content creator where you have to navigate, this is a lot of unpaid work. Can I afford to do all this unpaid work? I've got retirement and maybe future IVF and a wedding in my future. I'm not there. I have no one right now. I'm just saying these are things that I am thinking about. And so I can't be doing stuff for free anymore. Um, but that doesn't mean I want to do things in such a way that it impacts the wallets of my listeners. Instead, I want to find partners who make sense for the show. And it takes time to do that well, even with a team. Having many seasons will also allow me to better market the show and build in breaks throughout the year. I am tired. I've mentioned this before in the last couple of years. I'm tired. I'm doing better. I'm not 
as tired as before, but I'm definitely not as energetic as I used to be. And I think in order for me to really feel a hundred percent, I need to just accept that I need more time to just recover. And a lot of the, the exhaustion isn't physical, even though I'm fluffier right now, <laughs> it's mental, like mentally I'm tired. And so I want to acknowledge that. I know that this will be different from having a weekly show, but I, I really ultimately think that Michelle is Money Hungry will be so much better because of these changes. I really do appreciate your support. Please don't forget to pick up your copy of my upcoming book, Not a Financial Unicorn. Again, I look forward to your, to your feedback and I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts about this. All right, until June.